You know, uh, there's a couple. Of, we could talk about all different kinds of things when it comes to healing. We could literally do a 12-week series on healing. Uh, but the Lord highlighted a couple of uh, three, actually, three specific things that we're going to cover. Uh, here's the first thing is that we are going to start fighting for healing. We're going to be a group of people who fight for healing, that we fight for something that God has promised to us. And I'm going to have a slide come up right now that says fight for healing so you can remember that when you leave this place that you're going to go out and you are going to fight for healing. You missed my slide cue. I think there's no one in the sound booth. That's okay. Aha! There it is. You see that? Now you won't forget. How many people in here, not through medicine, I'm talking through the, the power of prayer, how many people have been healed of something in your entire lifetime? Raise your hand up high. How many people in here, if, if this is you again, you can keep your hand up. How many people in here have prayed for healing and someone's been healed? Amen. Amen. You know, we, um, like Nick mentioned, we have this eclipse coming up that everyone's going a little nuts over, they're paying all this money for eclipse glasses, and, and they're standing in these long lines, and they're, they're, they, they just can't wait, they literally can't get enough, and, and they are fighting uh, to be able to see the sun, right? They're fighting to have what they need so that they can see the sun clearly, and, and I want to propose to you today that when we engage in healing, that we are fighting for people to see the sun, we are fighting for people to see Jesus in a new light. Because what we're going to look at is in his kingdom, it was always advanced through the teaching of the word and through by the power of the spirit, through healing. And so we're talking about fighting for healing today. And here are two specific things that we're going to look at. Uh, first is that God the healer wants to heal his people. This is, this is our baseline where we're starting. God the healer wants to heal his people, and God the healer wants his people to heal others. This is the foundation of what we are going to look at for healing, that God wants to. See, sometimes we can go around and it's really easy for us to be like, well, what does the word say? Live your life according to the word. How many people think it's good to live your life according to the word of God? Amen. But see, sometimes because of our lack of belief or, or our lack of faith, we see things that happen in the Word, but, but we kind of try to explain them away. We see that in the Word it says to pray for those who are sick. We see in the Word that it says to heal others, but because we don't see it around us, we come up with these clever theologies to explain it away. But we're going to live our lives in a way that demonstrates we believe all of the Word. That we believe every last word in the Bible. And that we can seek to find out how God wants us to apply it to our lives. And today if you are sitting here and you're like, yeah, I've, I've prayed for healing, but I haven't seen it. God's word still stands true. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Don't give up. It's what he wants. It's what he wants. These two things uh, that you see up on, on the screen, we're going to go through these two things just for, for a short time, and then we're going to have a chance, uh, we're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for physical healing. So if you're sitting here and the Lord begins to stir your heart, I pray that you'd move in faith and you'd, you'd, you'd step out and say, yes, God, I need to be healed today because he wants to. So let's do this. We're going to start out in Exodus chapter 15. You can turn there. We're going to start there. I think, I'm thinking as you're turning there, I'm thinking of the passage in Mark uh, 16, 17, where it says that these signs follow those who believe. And it's interesting because uh, when I grew up, I was uh, along the mindset of, yeah, God used to heal in the Bible, uh, but now that the church has been established, uh, he, he doesn't heal anymore, and I wouldn't really see it happen. Because at the end of the day, I, I didn't really believe it. 
And I'm thinking about this verse that these signs follow those who believe. And then I started uh, seeing the Lord do it, and I started lending my faith to it. And I started to see the Lord do it more and more and more, where we would have times people would come into our houses, and it seemed like every person who came in uh, that had something gone, gone wrong physically, that they would leave healed. Do you believe it? I want you to start there just in your own heart as we, as we get ready to go. Do you believe that God wants to heal? Do you believe that God wants to heal? That that's the desire of his heart? Amen. So we're in Exodus chapter 15 to set a little uh, context for you. Uh, the Israelites just get led out of Egypt. Huge victory, right? They just get led across the Red Sea. All the plagues happen. Passover happens in Exodus 12. And now we get to Exodus chapter 15. We're going to go to verse uh, 25. And on the second half it says this. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. So Israel just gets, they, they go through this entire experience where they get delivered from the hands of, of those who are holding them as slaves. They see the Lord moving and the miraculous uh, throughout the plagues and they get to the other side of the sea and they're saying, all right, God, what's next? And God uh, brings this before them and, and something to point out that he brings to them a revelation of who he is in a new way. When it says in chapter 15, verse 26, I am the Lord, your healer, he is saying, I am Jehovah Rapha. He's literally giving them a new name, showing who he is. We know that the name, as we look through the word, it's not just, you know, oh, I call him Bill. Sorry if your name's Bill. Or I call him Nick. And that's it. It's, it's this uh, revelation of the character of the being. And he's saying, my name is Jehovah Rapha. I am the healer. And you think for a second, why, why would God tell them that right here and right now? I want to suggest to you that in Exodus 12, when the Passover occurred, that when the lamb was slain and the blood was placed over the door and the Lord passed them by, that there was a healing, a physical healing that also took place. We're going to dive into that a little bit. That there's literally, in Exodus 12, a foreshadowing, seen again in Isaiah 53, of what Jesus was paying for on the cross. They go through all these things. When you see the word diseases, uh, it's not talking about the plagues. It's talking about uh, the diseases that were prevalent in Egypt at this time. I want you to turn to Psalm 105, verse 37. Just so you know, the word Rapha, we see that used in Hebrew um, about 60 times, 57 times, we see it as the word heal from something, a physical ailment, heal. We see it as uh, the word physician five times. We see it as the word cure once, and then we see it as the word uh, repaired one time. Overwhelmingly, this is referring to the physical healing, the well-being of a person. Are we clear on that? Jehovah Rapha. In Psalm 105, 37, it says this. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. The word stumbled here in Hebrew is the word kashal. It means uh, to totter or to waver through weakness of legs, uh, especially with the ankle. It was this, uh, this picture of someone's legs trembling because of, of, of the weakness of their body. Kashal. 
I want you to think about what, e what Israel was experiencing in Egypt at this time and why this was such a big deal. The, the word is saying in Psalm 105, 37, that two million, think about two million people for a second, that two million people were released from Egypt and not one of them, no matter how old, no matter how young, not one of them stumbled. Before the Passover in Exodus chapter 5, we see, I'm going to read this, you don't have to turn there, you, just, you can look later or take my word for it. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 16 and 21, remember when Moses is coming before Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh increases their work, right? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten. But the fault is on your own people. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So in Exodus 5, we, we see that the Israelites are literally being beaten down by the work that they're doing. That there's, there's uh, a sword in the hand of the Egyptians coming against them, and that they think they're actually going to be worked to death. Have you ever done, anyone do physical or, or manual labor on a regular basis? Right? Yeah, Chuck, I know you do. And have you ever gotten to the point where, you, where you're working so hard that you physically become ill? You don't know how you're going to continue to go on. You know, the older you get, the longer that pain seems to last. You know, you have a work day on Monday, and by Thursday, you finally feel like you're loosening up a little bit. I don't know, I'm still young, but I hear that's what happens. <laughs> Mike, is that true? <laughs> Old and wise, Pastor Mike. And so this isn't far off to, to imagine that these Israelites are, are, are being beaten down, and that they are exhausted, and that they are weak, and that they are physically wounded. And then we see in Psalm 105, 37, that when they left Egypt, none of them stumbled, that there was no weakness in anything. I'm proposing to you today that there was more in the Passover lamb, that there was more in the cross than just the atonement for sin. But the Lord decided that in this moment, I'm going to heal all of who you are, including physical illness including sickness. We have to start from the place that God desires for his people to be well. That it is a blessing. Jehovah Rapha, it is in his name. Think for a second, how many names of God? Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, that's Exodus 17. Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22. The Lord who provides. Which one of those names has ever gone away? None. Neither is Jehovah Rapha. We see in, in Exodus chapter 23. We're going to go through a lot of different uh, scriptures today. This is in a, we're going to stir our hearts um, with the word of God. And hope that our, our faith is going to be stirred up. And we're going we're gonna to pick up in verse 25. Exodus 23, 25. Right now, God is having a conversation uh, with Moses. And he promises uh, the land that he's going to give to them. I have a land that I'm going to give to you. I, I've taken you out of slavery and I'm bringing you to somewhere, and I want to describe the land. Verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in, the, in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. And I want to make a connection here because we saw in Exodus chapter 15 that in uh, Psalm 105:37 that the people literally come out healed. But then there's a time period where they have to wait 
between that time and the 40 years where they can enter into the promised land. And it says again that I will take sickness away from among you, implying that in that span of time, more sickness came about. And see, we could sit here all day and we could uh, try to come up with reasons. That's often what we try to do. Why didn't this person get healed? Why did this person get sick? Well, why did this happen this way? And we can come up with all of these reasons. But the Lord sometimes doesn't give us the reason. He just tells us the outcome. And it's faith that, that bridges the gap between the reason and the outcome. So we see in, in the 40 years, and we know this. You know, in, in Numbers 21, we see the fiery serpents that the Lord sends as judgment to his people getting bitten, getting sick but then uh, him providing a way for them to be healed. We see a lot of disobedience in there. There's tons of reasons. But I want you to think that God is saying to his people that I am willing to do this, that this is good, that this is something from me, that this is a blessing of being under the covering of, of Jehovah Rapha. Healing is good. Sometimes we, uh, we get so caught up in our minds and in man-made constructs around the word that we forget the basic things. We see this promise again in Deuteronomy 7. You can turn there. I can just read it to you right now. It says, uh, Deuteronomy 7:15, And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt. It's, it's referring once again. The Lord wants to take this away. Of which you knew will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all who hate you. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. It's in his name. It's a demonstration of his character to us that this is what he wants to do. You know, we, we've tried to dismiss a lot of physical healing and we talk about this is all spiritual but it's easier for us to believe that God wants to heal us, us spiritually. But what about emotionally? That's easier for us to jump on. What about uh, being healed mentally? We think of verses like being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But there's such a hang-up when it comes to physical healing for so many people. Because we choose to base our, our, our belief on our experiences. And when we see God not heal, then on his very word. We're not going to do that. We are going to fight for healing in this place. We're going to fight for it. We'll talk a little more about that in a second. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Let's look at Jesus Christ. Go to Isaiah 53. Verse 4 and 5. says this, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. If you look in verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This is a word uh, in Hebrew that's koli. Koli. It means sickness or disease. Every single time. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sickness or disease. When you, if you have a version, I believe uh, the complete Jewish version of the Bible... Uh, says sickness or disease. A couple other versions say sickness or disease because this is the word uh, for that in Hebrew. He is born and carried our sicknesses and our diseases. And it says at the end, and by his wounds we are healed. Can anyone guess what the word for healed is here? It's Rapha. 
by his wounds we are healed, demonstrating the very character of God once again through what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's easy for us to get on the page about atonement being for our sins. I, I found that very easy, that, that Jesus, even that we saw in the Passover, that, that there had to be a covering and that Jesus covered our sins because of his blood that was shed for us. And, and you think about that, that no longer are we a slave to sin anymore. Romans 6, that we are no longer a slave to sin, but who are we a slave to? Christ Jesus. And you have to think for a second, and I'm going to try, to try to draw a parallel between these two things. And they're not the exact same. Everyone hear me in that. They're not the exact same, but there are parallels and connections we can make. In the same way, when Jesus died on your cross and your sin was atoned for, you were set free from being a slave to sin. Slave no longer had any control on you. Sin, sin was no longer able to master you. That you now have an option to fight against sin. Amen? That you don't have to let sin continue to knock you down time and time again. But by the authority that Christ has placed upon us, that we can move in victory. The victory is already ours because of what Jesus did on the cross. Come on, somebody. I heard a saying once, and I've said this before, but uh, there's a pastor who, who said that if death is the only way that you can be free from a sin, uh, then death is your Savior and Jesus isn't. So you take this picture of what Jesus did for our sins on the atonement, and we see that, that he bore on himself not only our sin, the iniquity, that's what I mean, the iniquity, but our diseases. What I'm submitting to you is in this passage, we see through the atonement that we no longer have to be a slave to our sickness. In the same way that we were once a slave to sin, but Christ made a way and we are victorious and we can break through. You know, Romans 6 says, I'm dead to sin, but I find myself... I, I keep sinning sometimes. Different areas at different times, but sin comes back in. And it, I'm no longer a slave to it. I'm no longer mastered by it. I, I see my, find myself sinning against God and some of the things I do. I repent and I, I, I turn to him and I, I change my mind about what I was doing. I want to submit to you that, that healing is the same thing. That we no longer have to be a slave to our sickness. That we have a chance now as redeemed people of God to fight against it. That we now in the same way we can fight against sin and have victory against sin. That we can fight against sickness. That's why we have to learn to fight again. We've been spoon fed these theologies of unbelief saying that this was a dispensation. This was something that God did in the past. This is something that God still does today. And there's no one with an IQ high enough that could get me off of that. There's no one with an argument that is crafted just in the right way that will pull me away from what the Word of God plainly says. About a year ago, we, uh, we traveled to Mexico, to Matamoros, Mexico. And uh, <laughs> the Lord was moving in power on that trip in, in tons of ways. People were getting filled with the Spirit. Uh, people were getting healed. And I just wanted to share a, a healing story with you real quick. Uh, my family in the Acevedos, uh, we had this opportunity to go out. And uh, this lady came up to us and she said, will you please pray for my husband because he can't walk. Everyone in the town knew this guy. He, he was carried around and carted around and uh, they put him in vehicles and drive him around. His legs uh, didn't work. When I first got there, I, I put my hands on his legs and his legs were like mush because there was, there was no muscles. They weren't used, used to working and his hands 
were all locked up because you didn't have a whole lot of blood circulation. And uh, we get to this house, and, and we, uh, we know, we, we come in with the belief that God wants to do this. God wants to do this. He'd been that way for years. Been that way for he- years. So remember, we, we have this guy sit down, and he's sitting in this chair. And we put our hands on him. And it's this picture I'm never going to forget because my uh, two-year-old son, Louie, he was in like a little baby carrier at that time, and he was strapped to my front. And Louie had his little hand on him, and Nicholas was by my side, and Nicholas had his hand on him. And my wife was in Acevedo's. So we had our hands on him, and we start calling out in the name of Jesus that he would be healed. We started saying, legs, I command you to work again in the name of Jesus. Give it a shot. He uh, couldn't really stand up. Ever hear a flight or fight? Yeah, it's time to fight. So we keep praying. We say, no, no, legs, we command you to work in the name of Jesus. You must work again. He's given us the authority to do this. Round after round after round after round. We pray this way. And guess what? Round after round after round. He started standing up. He started walking. When we had our hands on him, I could feel the muscles in his legs begin to tighten again. And by the end of us praying, he was willing to walk with us. What, what, how far was it? An eighth of a mile? An eighth of a mile back to the church as a testimony of what God just did in that place. Amen. When you know it, as he's walking, his hands get loosened up. As he's walking, the blood starts flowing through his body. As we're walking by one of the cartel hangouts, we are singing and shouting and yelling praises to God. And they are seeing a testimony of the healing and the power of the Holy Spirit right before their eyes. Because not only does God, the healer, desire to heal his people, he desires for his people to heal others. It's how his kingdom advances. See, we can be good and we can be set when someone just says, no, it's just about teaching the Bible. Yes, it is about teaching the Bible, but it's about teaching the Bible and moving in power. We do both. Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus start his ministry. What's the first thing he does? He teaches. What's the second thing he does? He heals people. They were always, always, always meant to go hand in hand. I want us to turn. I have another slide, so uh, it's the last one. God the healer wants to heal or wants his people to heal others. And we're going to look at four things. And then we're going to pray. Then we're going we're to pray together. Uh, we're going to look at how. How does this happen? Well, it's under authority. Why do we do it? We do it for the kingdom. We do it with faith. And we do it in Jesus' name. All right? We're going to look at these four things really quick. And then I, I just want to pray. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's look at under authority. Go to Matthew 10, verse, uh, you can start in verse 1. We're going we're gonna to start looking at some more stories. There, there's a couple points before we go here. There's a couple more points I want to make about this, um, about sickness and sin and, and the atonement. We see these things connected throughout the word quite a bit. Healings and sin and forgiveness and healing, and we see them moving around. So, so when we look at these in a, in a little while, I, I want you to know this. There's a word that we see over and over uh, in Greek, it's the word sozo. Uh, some people have ministries based on it. Um, I'm neither for it or against it. I don't, I, I'm not very familiar with it. Uh, but it's this word sozo, and it means wholeness. I just want to go through this for a second because this is important as we see the authority that we have, okay? Matthew one twenty two. I can read these. Feel free to turn there if you want. 
It says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The first time we see sozo used, save the people from their sins. Sozo. He will sozo, he will make them whole from their sins. It turns to healing. In Matthew 9, 22, with with the woman with a bleeding disease, uh, it says, or she said to him, to him, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well, sozo. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well, sozo. And instantly the woman was made well, sozo. Mark 10, 51 through 22, and Jesus said to him, Bartimaeus, He's talking about, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. He said, heal me physically. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well, sozo. We see them connected. In Psalm 103, 2 through 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. Can you see the connection? That it's not like this, this like picture perfect uh, organizational boxes that they're, that they're in, but it's this like, this kind of chunky like exchange going on between uh, forgiveness of sins and physical healing. Could you see that through those? In regards to Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing. I'm going to read just a a few more scriptures before we get into our part in healing. But but, but I I just want want to demonstrate that that this is is the heart of the Lord. In Luke 5, 12 through 13, it says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will. This means like desire, God, if it's in your heart. If this is a, a desire inside of your heart. You can make me clean. See the faith he's expressing? And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will. He's saying, yes, it is my will. It is my desire. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. We see this throughout uh, mass healings, uh, throughout even the Gospels. Take the Gospels alone. In nine times, just in the book of Matthew, we see that many people, we see five times where the word all or every is used, that they were all healed. We see an example is Matthew 4, 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming. You see, teaching, teaching and healing. Teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Matthew 4, 23. Uh, There's another story I I think of uh, in John chapter 5. And this one sometimes pulls us away from this mindset of, of Jesus healing every person uh, that, that he came in contact with uh, that desired it. And in John chapter 5, there's a man at the pool of Bethesda. How many people know this story? How many people got healed in this story? You can shout it out. One, uno, ichi in Japanese, if you speak <laughs> Japanese. Un, right, in French? I don't know. I was going to go through a couple more languages, but I'll stop. One person gets healed. Uno. One person gets healed in this story. And I was thinking about it. God, why, why weren't more people healed here? Like you single out one person. And uh, I, don't have an, I don't have like a question, you know, cutting answer or a question smashing answer for that. But I have an observation uh, that I made. In John chapter 5, all the people are waiting. It said that an angel would stir up the water of the pool. And people, the per- first person who would jump in the pool would be healed. So you can imagine if it was a room like this of people all waiting to get healed, knowing that a pattern, a specific uh, way of healing happened in this pool, where would all of your eyes be? It'd be on the water. You'd be looking to the water. You think about this guy. Can't move, can't do anything. You think about how he's perceiving his chances of getting in that water, and he tells Jesus, I tried. I tried, but every time I try to go in there, someone comes in before me. But see, as Jesus literally walked into the room, 
He gets the attention of this man as everyone else's eyes are on the water. But Jesus heals the man whose eyes are on him. And what the Lord was convicting me of is how many times do I have my eyes on the water for healing instead of on the man, the God, Jesus Christ. So many times I'm looking for uh, what's the prescription, what's, what's the ibuprofen, what's the, 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 the homeopathic way of fixing this ailment when the whole time God is saying, it's my son, Jesus Christ. So why weren't more people healed? Well, I could, I, could, I could tend to say it's probably because they had their eyes on the water and not on the Son of God. I, I just feel like there are people in here and you've been waiting for your healing for a long time. You're saying, God, where is it? God, where is it? God, where is it? Please take your eyes off the water and look to Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Don't give up. How many people know I, I had a, a dairy allergy? Severe anaphylactic shot, EpiPens, the whole nine yards. A few weeks ago, I was in a service, and I just felt like the Lord said, no, I, I healed you from it. I, and I uh, tried dairy in the service. I was fine. Went home, tried more dairy. It was fine. Uh, two days then after that, I, I tried more dairy, and my body reacted again. But listen, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up because I've seen the Lord do it before. And Malachi 3, 6 says that our God doesn't change. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 1 says. Don't give up. Keep fighting. I could try to come up with a reason why that happened. I could try, I could look at some of the stories about the blind man being healed and then seeing a tree and there was a partial, you know, I, I could see all that. But what I do know is I'm going to continue to lend my faith to it. And I'm going to continue to believe in faith that Jesus wants me to be healed. And he did heal me. And that he desires wholeness. And that I can fight against sickness. All those things. My mom was in a wheelchair six years ago. She isn't in a wheelchair anymore. I'm telling you, we have to keep fighting. Even on the days when it looks like it's just darkness. That there's no way around it. That the pain is increasing. Keep fighting. Don't give up. Jesus paid for this. We can move forward in faith, and we're going to do it unified together as a body. We see mass healings. Jesus reveals the Father's heart. We see that. John 5, 19 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So when Jesus went around and healed all these people, was that the will of the Father? Yes. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. God, what is your will? Well, what, what did Jesus do? God the healer wants to heal his people. Now let's move in to God the healer wants his people to heal others. Matthew 10. I gave you tons of time to get there. Everyone there? All right. We're starting verse 1. Read down to, skip over to verses 7 and 8. It says, And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. That sounds a lot like what Jesus did. And proclaim as you go, verse 7, he's giving them instruction. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you see again, there's, this, there's teaching, and then there's healing. Proclaim, uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then he gives them a command. Ready for the command? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. He gives them this command. An observation, and I, I, don't, I can't say this is true for every single scenario, uh, but when the disciples were going out to advance the kingdom with unbelievers, we see that it's always a command. A healing is always a command. In Jesus' name, be made well. A command. You know, we see in other places, uh, James 5, um, we see in James 5 where it says uh, to pray for the sick. Is any among you sick? Pray for them. And we see this little, and there's a little debate, do we pray for it or do we command it? 
Um, I'd say this. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. We do both. We, do, we command it and we pray for it. But we see here specifically as they are advancing the kingdom, as they are going out, that they are told to command healing for people. This is the same model we can base our lives off of. Well, how do we know that? How, how do we know that this wasn't just for the disciples at this time? Well, we see the pattern of their lives. We see the pattern in the book of Acts. But also, I want you to go to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I'm trying to stir you up through the word of God so that your heart would, would be solidified on this issue, that God the healer wants his people to heal others. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, go therefore. How many people know this? You know this by heart. Like, this is, this is my jam. Okay. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he's telling his disciples, teach other people to observe, to do, to follow all that I have commanded you. In Matthew 10, they were commanded to heal the sick. So I want you to, has anyone ever played the game telephone before? Where you, you like go in the line and someone has a message like, hey Dan, you look really good today. And then he tells Nick that message and then Nick tells Lindy, then Lindy tells Tim, and then it goes around and around and around and around and around. How many people have played that game? You play that game. And sometimes at the end of the game, like the message is so twisted, right? Like that's, that's nothing, like I said. You've been there? Yes? Telephone? Yes? So I want you to think just, just that's a, a silly illustration that you have to think about this text in that way. That if I was going to faithfully tell someone everything Jesus commanded me, and they were to do the same. In 2 Timothy uh, 2.2, it says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. If we continue to do this, the message from where it started to where it finishes will be the same. Meaning that the message the disciples received, as they tell the generation, they tell the next generation, and it finally gets to us today, it should be the same message. Amen? But guess what? We have the word of God, so we don't even have to work that hard. God wants us to move in the same way that the disciples moved in Scripture. This is hard. This is a place where you have to decide in your heart, I am going to believe that all of God's word is true, or I have to believe that none of it's true. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're under authority. Jesus has given us authority to do this for the kingdom. This is like uh, show and tell. We mentioned this a little bit before. I'm, I'm just going to give you, uh, we actually went through this. It talks about in Matthew 4, we saw how Jesus would go out and he would teach. And then he would heal. The disciples were commanded the same way to bring forth the kingdom, to teach about the kingdom, and to heal. They went together. It's a show and tell. And I've come to places in my life where I've been a lot better at telling than showing. And I, I could tell you all day what the Word says about this topic and this topic and this topic and this topic, but to be honest with you, your theology is really only as good as you can apply it. It's always meant to be applied. How are you doing showing people yeah, I, I believe God still heals today in faith. Let me show you. See, God is, is calling us in this new season to be fighters for these things. That when everyone else is trying to explain them away, when everyone else comes up with some crafty argument, that we are going to stand firm on the word of God and we are going to proclaim the kingdom with our mouth and heal people with our hands. That's what my king did. We do it for the kingdom. We do it with faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Many of you know. How many, how many people know this one by heart? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. You see, faith, 
a necessary element, a necessary expression in each one of these stories. If it's, if, if it's unsaid in, in one of the gospel stories where someone just comes because they know it's an expression of faith of coming to Jesus. Just in the gospels, did you know that seven times someone is healed on behalf of someone else's faith? Did you know that? See, we wish it was this clean transaction and we could just be like, well, if you want to be healed and you're not healed, it's all your fault. No, seven times just in the Gospels, someone else is healed because of someone else's faith. An example, the official son in John 4, 49-52, the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. This is the time he was with Jesus. We see again in another way in James 4, 15, 14 and 15, it says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, the person praying, will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. We see this, again, we see this with the story of the paralytic. Right? He's, he's lowered down from this roof. His friends go. They cut a hole in, this, in the roof. And it says that Jesus saw their faith, the people who lowered him down. And then his sins were forgiven. You see how it's just this, like, this weaving pattern Faith must be expressed 11 times in the gospel. Uh, we see it in Acts as well, that it's the person's faith who needs the healing. Uh, they, they could say, we see that with the 10 lepers in Luke 17, 19. And he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Made you well, sozo. Made you whole. We see it with the two blind men with implied faith. Matthew 10, 34, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight, and they followed him. In Acts 14, 8 through 10, this was my prayer for today. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth, and he had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, to be whole, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and he began walking. Faith is the transaction in healing. We see we do it uh, under authority for the kingdom with faith. Here's the last thing, and then we're just we're gonna pray. We do it in Jesus' name. I want you to go to John 14. We're going to pick up in verse uh, 13. Actually, let's start in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Is that a promise? Yes. And greater works than these will he do. Is that a promise? Yes. Not only will you do these things that we read about in the Word, but you're going to do greater things. What? I mean, that's mind-blowing. But I choose to build my theology on the Word of God, no matter if I always see it or not. Because I'm going to the Father, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. As we come into agreement with who Jesus is, with who the Father is, Jehovah Rapha, Jesus Christ, and we ask in his name. This isn't some like magic words. It, it's, it's under the authority and carrying the power, the name of Jesus, 
the name of our God, Jehovah Rapha. Next, 3 6, it says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He commands him to rise and to walk. You know, sometimes we have like, he makes it so simple, right? Jesus does the same thing. He's like, be clean. Sometimes we, we go on these like magic school bus prayers with Miss Frizzle, and we're like, Lord, would you travel down the ventricle and go to this arm, and, the, and you start, we overcomplicate it. I took that joke from Pastor Nick. I can't, I can't on that one. But we overcomplicate things, and if we're going to look at the Word, let's just do what the Word says. Let's just pray in Jesus' name and watch Him move. Let's just move in the authority that He's given us and command things to happen because Jesus desires for that to happen. Let's do that. Acts 4.12 says, uh, There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. I'm going to read two more things, then we're going to pray. So uh, if you're on worship, come up. We're just going to, you can come up right now. Acts 9.34, And Peter said to him, and they asked, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. Name of Jesus, command. James 5, 14 through 15. We you read this, I want to read it one more time. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. That's what we're going to do now. I hope that in the short time that we had, I was able to show you very quickly in the Word that God, our healer, the way He defines Himself to us, desired for His people to be well. We see that through Jesus Christ. And so this is what we're going to do. Um, in, in a second, I'm going to have all the elders and pastors and their wives come up here, and we're going to anoint people with oil. But before that, before even any of that happens, uh, if you are sick, I want you to raise your hand. And if you need healing, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. All these people with their hand raised, we are going to go keep your hands up. If you are around these people, we're just going to start praying. Go around them. In the name of Jesus, make commands, and let's watch him move in power. He says we can do this. So right now, if there's someone around you with their hand raised, get out of your seat and go toward them, lay your hands on them, and we're going to pray. I'll make sure no one is left out. Right now, I want you to ask them what they want prayer for. What needs to be healed? Is there anyone who needs to be prayed for, but no one is around them yet? Raise up your hand. 